0: Cool. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome. Um, I'm Tom stux I'm the uh, program manager here at Creative Youth, um, and my pronouns are he, him, um, and I've got a blue cap on, glasses, funky shirt, um, and chubby cheeks. There you go. Um, and basically, yeah, this is we've this is our first of 2022, Twitter, Twitter which is amazing. Happy New Year to everyone! Um, it's so weird that I'm still saying Happy New Year. I probably shouldn't be saying that at the end of January, but. There we go. Um, and yes, so we've got an amazing panel uh, for you tonight, uh, which is all about the environment and changing that. We've got amazing panelists talking about that. But just to give you a bit of background on what See Wanna Change the Arts is and this programme, uh, the CTP and uh, the, the, the sort of what See Wanna Work in the Arts and Change the Arts programme. It started uh, a few years ago in terms of like stepping up a gear with the Creative Talent programme. Uh, there's lots of different strands, um, the main strand being that we help three artists, uh, emerging artists with some funding uh, and also mentorship and also workshops and stuff like that as well, um, which is uh, incredible uh, for sort of the young emerging artists that are coming through, uh, that's currently happening and then that sort of led to these sort of like branches that we've done which is is this and we run uh, amazing sort of workshops throughout the festival Uh, which is Fuse International, we have just rebranded so it was previously called uh, the International Youth Arts Festival for anyone who doesn't know and with that um, we've uh, now rebranded to Fuse International which is our festival uh, which is going to run from the 1st to 10th of July uh, this year Um, but with that We ran workshops and stuff, and now because of COVID, it is all online, but I think it's much better, personally, uh, much more accessible, um, and we can get a lot more amazing people sort of together to listen to these amazing conversations. So... Uh, that's what it is. We've been running these uh, for probably about two, three years now. We've covered a load of amazing topics. Anything you want to catch up on, please go onto our anchor. Um, please go onto our YouTube channels, that sort of stuff. I'm sure we'll put the chats in below as well. Uh, we've also got, um, if anyone has any questions... Uh, for the panel. We'll try and get through, Uh, we've just got under an hour so we've got a lot to cover, but please um, put them in the sort of Q&A section and we'll try and get through them towards the end if we've run out of things to say. Uh, Please uh, also if you need any captions available, Uh, then please click on uh, the caption link below. That's not a problem at all. Uh, If you need any help, please just let us know. Uh, And also, we we are going to be publishing uh, just a little feedback form at the end as well. So anything you want to feedback, then we can do that as well. I'll I'll get this on. Uh, I'll cover some other stuff uh, towards the end, but I'll hand you over to the lovely Laura, who's going to be your host this evening. Uh, So thank you very much, uh, everyone. And over to you, Laura.
1: Hi everyone, yes I'm Laura Sedgwick uh, and I'm going to be chairing uh, this webinar on how the arts can influence environmental change. Um, I am she her and I'm wearing a light blue jumper and I've got my hair up um, and then I'm going to invite the panellists to introduce themselves so over to you Robin first.
2: Hello I'm Robin I'm from Ergon Theatre and um, we make work about uh, climate crisis and futures my pronouns are he him. I'm wearing a sort of yellow T-shirt, a red jacket with the Sustainability Goals pin badge on, which has got lots of different colours on it, um, a black a black hat, and there's a little picture in the background of Portugal, I think.
3: Over to you, Josie. Hi, everyone. My name's Josie. My pronouns are she, her, and I am here with my collaborator, Megan Willett. Together we form the Knot Studio and I have brown hair, I'm wearing a black turtleneck and I have red lipstick. Over to you Megan.
4: Hello, I'm Megan and my pronouns are she slash her. And as Josie said, I'm the other half, half of the Knot and I've got crazy blonde hair, glasses and I've got some nice fairy lights behind me.
1: Thanks very much everyone. Um, So I think today we're going to be talking a lot about theatre but also if you want to kind of broaden it out into arts, design, culture, um, I think we could absolutely talk about all of those things. So to start us off, um, the first question is why is sustainability important for theatre and why is theatre important for sustainability? So a bit of a double one and maybe um, Josie and Megan you could start us off.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, so I think with this question, the first thing we really need to unpick is why it might theatre be unsustainable at the moment. And unfortunately, theatre is a really unsustainable um, way of making stories. And it's such a shame because I really don't want it to be, but there's so many things that we can do to make theatre sustainable. But first, I'm just going to go into a couple of the things which might make theatre slightly unsustainable in 2021, 2022. And this is only from mine and Megan's own research from putting on our own theatre productions. And the main thing really is that theatre sets and props and assets that come together to make a performance are really only single use. And a lot of of the time they get thrown away after the performance finishes, which is a shame and obviously very unsustainable. We need to be reusing our things um, to make them more sustainable nowadays. Um, And also another thing is that theatre, when a team gets put together, often like to put the performance together and make it sustainable, it's kind of like the afterthought. So you get so excited as a creative person to like put together your story and to uh, like make your set and, and put it on stage. And then right at the last minute, it's like, oh my God, how are we gonna make this sustainable? Oh no, we'll just do this. And it really should be something that you consider right at the start. Even before you hire your team of people who are gonna help you put your performance together, you need to hire a team of people who want to work sustainably. So. Yeah, I think Megan's got a bit more to add to that.
4: Yeah, um, I guess, really, why is it important for theatre to be sustainable? And that's really so that it has a future. Um, Nothing, unfortunately, can exist in isolation. And one of the external factors that are affecting everyone at the moment is the climate crisis. And... Josie and I sustainable design means being mindful of the impact of your materials and resources that you use to make something and that's right from the beginning to the end like what we found is that you have to think of sustainability first it has to come before money or your concept it's what everything answers to and you have to consider where you're going to get your materials where you're going to get your energy how you're going to transport things and once you've got all of your materials, you've got to think, oh, now I need to use them in a resourceful and an efficient way. Otherwise, I mean, what's the point? Um, and also a really nice example that Josie and I both like is a um, puppet made by Beautiful Creatures production company. And um, they made a big blue whale out of repurposed plastic. And what I really like about this is that it's sustainable within itself. But it also teaches people a sustainable message about not dumping plastic in our oceans, and this is something that Josie and I really want to kind of explore in our own work.
1: That's great, thank you. And perhaps Robin, on the flip side of it, what do you think theatre um, can do for sustainability as a wider challenge?
2: Definitely, mean, it was really the unsustainable side was really well covered by by both Megan and Josie there, and I did just very quickly on that as well. I um when you're talking about putting the team together and everything there's the process isn't there for in design for white card meetings because that's where you talk about what the design is going to be and I know there's more of a push now to have green card meetings because it's not just about it being an afterthought actually it needs to be before like more time than it was before because it's if you'd want it to be sustainable that takes more time than an unsustainable way. It does. So it's like, it's a big, even bigger thing. Anyway, I'm going to leave the design stuff to you guys, because, because that's your field, um, Important theatre important sustainability. So first of all, I would say that I think by making theatre that is about the climate crisis or about sustainability, what that can have is an impact on the team or organisation that are making that work. So if, if for example, I don't know, a theatre isn't particularly sustainable, but they decide we're going to make a show about climate crisis and sustainability, it would feel very weird for them as artists and as an organisation to be really unsustainable in their, in their making of a show that is trying to say you should be sustainable. So, it can kind of work in both ways i think you know if you make work about the climate crisis actually you can quite often see shifts in organizations because you learn through making Um, but in equal measure if you're sort of being asked to be more sustainable in your making then that can lead you to asking questions that lead you to realize that we need to talk about it more in terms of to answer your question more directly though um is i think the arts has this Really unique and brilliant power of of engagement and communication that that not many other me other other sectors do, um, and theatre particularly has this because of the live nature of it. It can be so much more conversational and direct with audiences than perhaps TV could, um, and that is so important because I think what we to, to really progress within the climate crisis movement, what we need is conversation and communication. I might talk a bit more about why that's the case later. Um, but we need communication and generally speaking, art is designed to provoke and provoke conversation and communication. And so that's why it's, it is in itself so important to sustainability as well. Yes.
1: Thank you very much. And I guess there's sort of more, and um, you know, I don't know the people who maybe like the naysayers or the um, people who sort of turn their nose up at talking about sustainability might say that you end up being preachy perhaps or you end up with boring art. Um, so the next question I want to put to you guys is, um, how can we make art and stories that inspire change and leave people wanting to go away um, really thinking about things, but it's still entertaining and it's still something people want to spend their money buying a ticket for. Um, And Robin, maybe you want to talk a bit about your show that you had um, at COP and what, you know, how you made something that was entertaining and really meaningful. Yeah,
2: Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I, I think we went through a phase with a lot of climate art where it was just about statistics and graphs and facts. And that is, is, like I've said before, very important, but like the science community does that really well. And for people that can't digest that kind of stuff, I don't know, it doesn't engage people, it's not relatable. If you can make something more human, and like, um, our company focuses much more on the human experiences and the human impacts of the climate crisis, then it becomes more relatable to people. Um, In terms of, whether that becomes boring though still because it's all about the climate crisis and stuff what i would say is that because the climate crisis is an umbrella that affects like literally everything you can tell any story and have something about the climate crisis in it it doesn't have to be on the nose in your face about the climate crisis um and so i don't know i i just find that quite funny when people sort of think it would be boring about the climate crisis because there is so much breadth of story to tell within that movement and within that topic, and also it is fundamentally about the end of the world, which is quite dramatic, which you know. Anyway, um, more specifically about our show, our show was the Wicked Problem, and the setup is it's set in the future in twenty in the twenty sixties, in a future where we've not done enough. With the climate crisis and the government have had to implement this new, really restrictive system. Um, and the setup of the show is that the the show is the trial of an individual who has broken a climate law, and the audience in that show are the trial. And what we try really hard to do with all of our work, but particularly in that show, is not pick a side and tackle what the grey area is, because a lot of the time, with within a lot of social movements, to be honest, and it's justified in in, in a lot of in a lot of cases but can very much get a bit black and white on what's right and what's wrong and so if in this show in the future an individual has decided to burn a load of fossil fuels for example for for their own sake you could easily say from an environmental point of view bad person you're not an eco warrior you're doing bad things but when you then look at the fact that they've been left behind by a system and they're just doing that because their family needs, and the community need warm food and warm shelter and things like that. It starts to become a much more, much more great conversation about carbon equity. And that's what we did with the show is, is try and show all of the effects that climate crisis can have on people. And they're really awful, but then equally show that it's not quite just as simple as being an eco warrior. Because if you're worrying about where the food's coming from, or where rent's coming from, you're probably not going to worry about an existential threat and that is okay, you need to talk about it. Um, I'm going to stop talking so that you guys can talk a bit.
3: Yeah, oh, I completely agree in that our performance kind of does a similar thing um, because Megan and I are working on a performance at the moment which uh, aims to educate young children about the importance of bees for our ecosystem. and. Um, I I live in London and Megan lives in Peterborough but we both studied in London and it's something that I mean I growing up in London I barely ever saw a bee (laughs) I mean when I did I just saw one kind of like lying on the side of the pavement and it was really sad Um, so our performance features the kind of struggle between the need for land developers and the really essential need for housing in London but also the importance of bees for our ecosystem. And really we can't just be like, well, we're not gonna build houses because we need houses. And it's it's really just trying to educate children about how bees, how we can create a really sustainable urban landscape but make it accessible for, for six to eight year olds, which is a bit of a challenge. But to go back to the question about how we're making uh, our art and stories entertaining is Megan and I, Uh, we had a big think about what is the most engaging way to connect with an audience. And to us, it's really making your performance participatory um, uh, and combining a load of different storytelling devices together. So our performance features dance uh, all the way through to puppetry as well as comedy, and it just tries to, like, Combine so many different things to really please everyone, but also I think that the characterization of our our cast is really important to engage our audience too because we only have a few characters. There's three on stage, and similar to you, Robin, the audience also kind of acts as a character in itself. Um, but one of the main ones which I'm going to talk about is our bee puppet. So. Our bee puppet is, we're hoping will really captivate the minds and hearts and actions of the audience attending the the performance because our bee will be just massive (laughs) and controlled by four contemporary dancers and she's going to just completely command the stage in a way that the human actors can't manage to achieve and move in a way that's completely not human and I just feel like children are going to be really taken by that um and see her as something that's not scary or a pest or threatening or or something that maybe children growing up in london might feel frightened by bees because they haven't seen them very much and they just know they're gonna the bees will sting you and make make you hurt and that's not at all what we want to achieve so using that really strong visual symbol of our bee puppet we're hoping will really inspire change
4: Yeah, for sure. Um, We definitely want to inspire change and make a difference. And like Josie said, for us, it's all about participation. I guess making real change is not about sitting on your hands. It's about actively getting involved, and that's something we really want to do. And in our performance, we kind of want to play with this kind of idea of, I guess, in traditional theatre, you have a stage, you sit down, it's more passive. But we don't want that at all. We want our audience to be literally be able to touch our puppets be and sit wherever they want and I guess we want an entirely sensory experience and kind of as Josie kind of mentioned that we kind of want to actively engage our audience by making them a part of our cast. One of their main jobs is to persuade our kind of villain land developer that he needs to be more sustainable. And we're also going to have a product that the audience can take home which is going to be a wild flower bomb product which is basically a little pellet made of compost clay and seeds and they'll be able to take it home plant it and hopefully it should grow into some beautiful plants that help bees thrive and we think this is such a nice idea because it's actually going to encourage real change and hopefully make a bit of a difference.
1: I think that's absolutely fantastic. And especially um, hearing you, Josie, talk about the the fact you're making a puppet that moves in a sort of non-human way, because something that, I don't know, I've I found whenever I read a play, you know, that's been published that sort of is about climate change, it's quite difficult to get away from like it just being entirely human, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but like a bit like you were saying, Robin, it often becomes very statistical or it's kind of, there's a character who's a scientist who is trying to, you know, tell people something and everyone's ignoring it. Um, or it's uh, you know it's or it's a very sort of kitchen sink drama is what you know what you think of when you think of theatre often um and so to create something that's kind of a bit uh wilder you know has a bit of nature like with your flower bombs has something that isn't entirely human um is more animalistic i think is um a really beautiful way of doing it and i don't know if anyone has heard of there's a magazine called dark mountain which is all about encouraging writers to write more wildly. And I always think it's a shame that there's not a kind of equivalent for theatre, like a call out to theatre makers to be like, you know, make wilder stuff. Um, so it sounds like the, um, you know, with with the puppetry and, you know, with the effects that theatre has and has such capability to do, um, I think you can make something really beautiful that does manage to, to do that. Um, and I suppose sort of leading on from the, you know, the push about, um, making things entertaining is what, uh, I mean, maybe this is a, a, a time for people to get out the notebooks as well, because um, it'd be great to hear what you guys know about what's going on at the moment in UK theatre and cultural scene um, that is being d- done for sustainability. Um, you know, the good, the good stories, the good companies to look out for, anything you've heard that, you know, is up and coming and sounds really cool and what we should, you know, what we should be looking out for in 2022 and in the near future. Yeah, Um, so there's so many fun, exciting things coming
3: up. I feel like now that we've been in a pandemic since March 2020, oh my gosh, and theatres just struggled so much through there. You'd think that everything would have dried up, but it really hasn't, uh, which is so exciting. Um, But having said that, I think that theatres is really trying to shift with the COVID measures that we have in place at the moment. And I feel like we really are starting to question what a live performance means, um, because, I mean, traditionally, you would go to the theatre and sit in your seat and watch a performance and sit with loads and loads and loads of people. But obviously, we can't really do that so much anymore. So um, I've noticed that a lot more performances are going remote, which is really fantastic, as you don't have to risk your health or your safety to go and enjoy some art. But it also opens loads of opportunities up for theatre makers and producers and directors to then just branch out and work with lots of different artistic communities and cultures and put together a performance remotely and also deliver it remotely, which is just really mind-blowing and something which maybe before the pandemic people weren't doing quite so much. Um, There is one thing that I can mention, which is a name. Uh, I think the the Greenhouse Theatre is the UK's first zero- Waste Theatre which might be worth checking out and kind of similar to Robin I think that the performances that they put on have a very human impact and really try and encourage people to adopt more sustainable lifestyles um, and focus on how sustainability is going to impact the humans around us so that's one to to look out for I think.
4: Yeah and um, kind of taking that on is like what have we got look forward to in the future and I guess it is um, theatre getting back on its feet really after the pandemic but I really like this idea of um, kind of what theatre means being tested like it doesn't need to be traditional you sit down and you look maybe it takes place on a virtual space or maybe it takes place outside Um, for example Smoking Apples have just done a performance about bees called Buzz and that takes place completely outside which is very different. You've also got advances in tech, Um, a performance called Somonai, is completely VR, it's about lucid dreaming. It's not sustainable as far as I know, but I like the concept, especially how they use not just sight and what you can hear, but also what you can taste and smell and touch. And touch is something that Josie and I would really like to explore in our work. As well as um, we also like Punch Drunk, Um, they are an immersive theatre company, Um, And basically they'll take like a whole building and they'll turn it into a stage and you can walk where you like, you can touch what you like, you can follow different narratives and actors and everyone walks away with a very, very different experience, which is something that I really like. And I think those kind of ideas would marry really well with some kind of more sustainable messages, I think.
2: That is exactly what we want to do in our life, which I was going to talk about at the end, but that's our, like, dream <laughs> of a punch drunk version of our Ergon world, so I I, I like that you like punch drunk, Megan, that's exciting. <laughs> um, yeah, into our greenhouse theatre, very, very good shout. Um, In terms of a couple of organisations, maybe, that particularly if there are any makers watching that are interested in finding out a bit more about how to make sustainably or just what networks are out there. Um, Julie's Bicycle is an incredible organisation that is based basically all about communicating environmentalism or the climate crisis. Um, they do. They recently, we were part of their season for change last year, uh, which got delayed and delayed and delayed, um, became a very long season. Um, but yeah, they've got an incredible amount of guidance on their website. There's lots of commissioning opportunities that do come up there as well. And just general networks that you can get a part of. So they're a very good place to get in touch with. Um, there's the green theater book, which the industry is pretty much moving towards using. And I would just basically say, go and look at that because that's, it's just got loads of tips and advice and some great places to start. Um, staging change. Had a hand in the Green Theatre, but the staging change is uh, particularly design focused. But a brilliant organisation again in terms of how to make work sustainably. They did a lot of work with the Vaults Festival a year or two ago. Um, Pigfoot are a really cool company that are out there. They they make um, their first their first show was all run by um, a bike, cycled throughout it all of their tech which we tried to do in our show. And we did make a working one, but one of our company members nearly electrocuted themselves because we did all the wiring. So maybe get help if you're gonna do it. Um, but I think one of their their shows that are just coming up, they're using a dance floor to power the show. So they're gonna dance kind of like, you know, one of those like dance mat things. Oh. Um, they're really cool. In fact, there's a, uh, at home tomorrow we're hosting a seminar webinar thing that um myself and Noah from my company are part of uh, that's part of push lab but that's going to be talking a bit more about sustainable making versus sustainable theater so that kind of that space a bit more but um Pigfoot are going to be a part of that so I definitely recommend um having a look at it it's two till four if you're available um oh god there was something else I was going to say but I can't remember what it was Oh, yes, last thing. I'm really sorry, I'm going on. There are also lots of artistic and theatre networks popping up more locally. So in Manchester, we're lucky to have GMAST, which is Greater Manchester Art Sustainability Team that's supported by Julie's Bicycle and Manchester City Council and Manchester's Climate Change Agency. And it is basically a collection of like all of the Greater Manchester and some outside of that um, artistic organisations all committing to, to more sustainable practice, more su- platforming, sustainability, more in terms of work. Um, and they, we, for example, got free carbon literacy training through them that was specific to our sector. So that's specific set- training on like how to be making theatre sustainable, um, that is a cert- certificate. But there are other ones of that appearing around the country, for example, in Leeds, there's one called SAIL, and I think in Southampton, there's one called ANCHOR, for some reason, they're all to do with boats, the acronyms. Um, But yes, again, I'll stop because I could go on for ages, but there are lots of really brilliant people doing lots of really brilliant stuff out there.
1: Thank you, everyone. And um, I... Uh, echo what Robbins is about the green book it's definitely worth looking at because it's sort of designed to be applicable both for tiny productions if you're you know just starting out and or you're doing a fringe show or you're setting up a little tour right up to if you're some big massive national you know nationwide theatre, so it's definitely worth taking a look. And um, the other one that uh, sprang to my mind is there's, um, they've just launched a new website, EcoStage, which might be interesting for you, Josie and Megan, if you haven't heard of them, because they are primarily designers, so they're, you know, particularly theatre designers, and it's all about eco-sonography, which is sort of um, thinking really conceptually about theatre design and making it sustainable. Um, I'll, I'll try and find their website if you can't find it but um, they just launched it it's got lots of uh, resources on it um, and uh, yeah Robin
2: <laughs> I just remembered it's probably worth saying that the new arts council let's create program to, to get funding from arts council has made environment environmental responsibility a part of the application process and the theatre green book is very much like if you Put that into your bids because it's a recognized standard I just that's probably one of the most important ones that i forgot to say
1: no it's a good point because i think also um julie's bicycle work with the arts council to um because obviously it's all very difficult how do you measure this stuff how do you measure that you're being more sustainable and if you start saying you have you know your funding relies on you being more sustainable if you're not you might you know if you don't make attempts to you might risk losing funding and so there's lots of um again on julie's bicycle website tools which are um all to do with uh you know how you can measure uh sort of toolkits that you can measure your uh you know your company's how much carbon you're using so it's a bit like writing a budget but you write it for your carbon um use but obviously that's only a small part of it there's also lots more to making sort of environmental work but uh, it's an interesting place to start and even if you don't use it now it's um, I'd recommend having a little look around it just so you sort of know what's going on it's really interesting. Um, To get back to the questions, um, what do you guys think audiences can be doing to um, help theatre makers in the fight to make theatre more sustainable? So what could we as the wider audience public when we turn up to the theatre be doing to encourage sustainable theatre?
3: Um, Well, I think the main thing is that it's really important not to totally segregate audience members and theatre makers because ultimately we all have our own um, own individual responsibilities that we need to take into account to build a more green future. And I think actually there's so much crossover, so many similarities that audience members and theatre makers can do together which are really, really simple. It's like honestly stating the obvious that um, we can all do, such as reusing things, recycling things, making sure that when you do buy something new, you're trying to source it sustainably or you're thinking about where it's come from. And then if you do have to throw something away, try and think about a way that maybe you could try and use it again. Um, So really simple things, like you could blow it up onto onto the size of a stage, or you could take it into your kitchen and just use the exact same reuse, um, recycle motto in the same way. Um, But also in a kind of wider sense, just for the audience, I feel like if you just keep investing in theatre as a form of storytelling, then it's just funding a movement which will ultimately grow to be more sustainable, because now that, like you say, with the Green Book, I think that that outlines a lot of values and kind of techniques and little ways that you can make performances more sustainable nowadays. So if we all just keep investing in theatre, then we should take a a collective step towards a greener future. But also think about what sort of performances you're investing in if you did want to go to the theatre and think about, you know, obviously any performance is great to go and see, but if you are going to go, and try and um, invest in a more sustainable company or a performance which has a clear message for your audience, where it's trying to get you to act in a certain way which is sustainable. Then that's fantastic. But ultimately, just invest in any theatre in any theatre production, and hopefully together we can, in the spirit of theatre, all move towards a greener future.
4: Be honest, I don't think I can say it any better. Yeah, it's all about inve- what you invest your money in as an audience. And I mean, theatre is very, very collaborative. It takes a lot of people to come together, including the audience. So I guess theatre makers and the audience need to work together to kind of fight for a better, greener future. And it is cheesy, but it's small things like reduce, reuse, recycle, repurposing things, and um, decreasing the amount you travel, but also kind of going. I can't remember who exactly mentioned it but the idea of measuring how sustainable you are or your kind of your impact and like something that Josie and I are going to do is that after we've made our wildflower bomb products and we've given them to our audience we're going to encourage them to kind of tag us online so we can kind of see and measure our impact in a kind of a little way Um, and it's also nice to see that your performance has like an online legacy that's going to live on which I think is a really important thing
2: um, yeah, I'm not, I, there's not, I can't really think of a lot more to add to what you guys have said. Um. I suppose there there is a there is a thing where if I said to talk about it, as in climate change and sustainability, that for me is, I, I think is so important and, and talk about, talk about the issue with diversity and inclusivity in mind. And, and I don't just say that in the sense of ethically, diversity and inclusivity is something that we should all be thinking about for a better world and a more just world. But I mean, even just like rationally and logistically looking at it, like, I can only really make work true, like truly through my lens of lived experience, I can I can sort of take some talk to other people and kind of like take some stories and work with them to platform that story. But really, I can only really make stuff through my lens of lived experience. I think we need and and so sorry. What I should say is, I I know what obstacles I face to living sustainably, but I don't know what obstacles someone else faces to living sustainably. And so, at the moment, that obstacle as well. If, if a certain community or demographic, let's say, aren't really talking or engaging with with the climate crisis movement because perhaps they feel like it's not we're well, open to them, there are loads of obstacles that they are facing that we're not talking about and ultimately like if we don't solve those obstacles we're going to suffer suffer as well like we we're all in it together so i would say that communicating openly um, and listening and being aware being happy to open to being challenged as well is really really important because ultimately the more the, the more people are talking about it the more people the more different types of people and the diverse amount of work we're going to get on our stages, which is going to be more representative, which means we're going to be all talking about those issues a lot more, which means we're going to solve the problem quicker. I'm not really sure if that totally answers the question, but I was just trying to find something to add to Megan and Josie's brilliant. I
1: think that totally makes sense that, um, yeah, the sort of exciting thing about being a theatre audience is that you can choose to see yeah exciting stuff that challenges you might not be something you've thought of before and if you actively seek those things out and and go see them that's going to enrich you but means yeah you can have better more. Uh, um, well informed conversations about how we can solve the climate crisis Um I. Have, I will ask you guys uh, a bit about what your what your up and coming work at the moment is, um, but we've got a few questions from uh, the Q&A. Um, so first of all is a, a question from Katie, um, and she's sort of uh, asking... Um, You know, day-to-day in your company management, like day-to-day when you're making theatre, how can you try and uh, bring in practices that make your work more sustainable? I suppose that's sort of a nitty-gritty question of of what you yourselves can do.
3: Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, It's something that Megan and I are working on at the moment, really. We had a conversation the other day about our bee puppet and how we're going to build a sustainable bee puppet like how are you going to do that Um, because no puppetry is really notoriously unsustainable because you have to use very specific materials sometimes that are specialised to ensure that your puppet is flexible and strong and safe and all the things that will make it amazing at at portraying a character but not sustainable and actually there isn't very many um, sustainable alternatives for those materials And if there are, then they're quite expensive. So I think the the key things that Megan and I are going to try and look out for when we're testing materials for our queen bee is to buy wood from sustainable trees. And um, we want to either keep her, so we're not throwing her away straight away. Also, I'll put my heart and soul into making her, so I don't want to throw her away straight away. But um, I want to keep her, but if we were to get rid of her, we'll donate her to a theatre or maybe a library or a school or somewhere like that where she can be put on display. Or if we do have to recycle her, then she'll be, we'll ensure that we're using the right materials so that she can be recycled. Like we won't paint on the wood, we'll instead buy fabric and pin it around the wooden beams to make sure that we can then unpin it and use the fabric for something else so that's just a little thing that we're trying to do but Megan would you like to talk about our set
4: our set um yeah I guess really it's all about testing 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 Josie and I well this will be our kind of our first theatre performance um out of uni so we're still really learning and as Josie said I mean there isn't many materials as far as I know that are sustainable and well tested and known that they're good for making puppets or sets um, so I guess for us that might mean that we'll need to collaborate with academics that know more than us about certain materials. Um, we're hoping to keep our set very kind of stripped back using very limited materials so they're easy to break down and either be reused or recycled but I guess the biggest thing is Josie and I are just still learning and I think everyone really is in the creative industry when it comes to sustainability.
3: Yeah and just one other thing about our set is that our wildflower bombs are going to be actually part of our set design so that the audience can take a physical piece of the set home with them at the end of the day, which is something that I've never experienced when going to theatre. And I want to make our performance as unforgettable as possible. Um, I feel like there's such a separation and boundary between the audience members and the stage, and you just don't really get to cross over but our wildflower bombs are going to act as like the things inside the honeycombs, the honeycomb hexagonal shapes. So at the end of the performance, you can literally just slide one out and take it home and plant it. And hopefully that'll mean you won't forget our message.
2: Would I, at the risk of going slightly, slightly, I think this would, would help answer the question, and I am going to be winging it slightly. Would I be able to share my screen quickly, Laura? I, oh, can I,
1: yeah. give it a go
2: give it to go okay i don't know okay it's not it's not working all right i'll try and wing it and so what, what i was going to say is
1: sorry robin you should be able to share screen now sorry my oh, no apologies. yes
2: Thank you um okay bear with me i do apologize uh, this uh, uh let's see if this works there yeah you can see it. Mm-hmm. um okay cool so this is this is this is part of a carbon literacy training course that I'm putting together Um what I was going to say is that if is look to answer the question, I think what is useful is to look out and search for if there are any opportunities for carbon literacy training at all. First of all, because that that really puts you in a good position to work out how can I make more positive change without just making work about the environment. But this is something that GMAST, which is the network in Manchester of the arts communities that I mentioned, sort of uses, although it's been updated recently. And I'll try and keep this as basic and really quick as possible. But what this is just saying is to sort of consider these six Ps in your day-to-day individual life but also in your working life in the way that your company works. And I will very quickly try and go around them and remember what they sort of are but I guess it's always asking with action being in the middle, what action can you take regarding, and then you go to each one. So regarding your position, for example, if you are um, an actor in a a theatre company, and this is a really bad example, but can you not have a printed off script? Can you have a digital script? Or perhaps as the company of actors, could you commit to sharing food for the rehearsal process and stuff so that you're not getting stuff individually. That's an example, um, but it's different with every position. So how, what influence basically can you have with your position specifically? And you can only do what you can, where you can is important to remember. Then there's planning, which is of course, like how in your capacity of planning, can you affect things? That's like when Josie and Megan were talking about, um, being able to plan, think about sustainability from the beginning, not as an afterthought or, like I said, having a green card meeting before a white card meeting—that would be a thing of planning. People, so like what? Inf- what people can you influence? Um, that might be if you're a director, you can, or a producer, you can perhaps influence everybody because producers are like gods. Um, or. Uh, What people can you influence? Basically, the people that you work with, but also our audiences are are other people. Um, Even if you're not making work about sustainability, can you be promoting other people that are making that work or promoting the Green Theatre Book or promoting things about COP as your organisation? That goes back to position a little bit because your position as a company, you have audience and you have people, therefore you can have influence in that way. It doesn't just have to be making work. You can talk about it. Place is... I'll need to go quicker. Place is what venues are you playing at? Like, are they sustainable? And if they're not, can you ask them why they're not sustainable? Some people might choose to boycott venues that aren't sustainable. Some people might choose to stay and have a conversation with those people. I've done both for different reasons. Um, Place is really important, where you're working as well. Practice, kind of like everything we've just talked about in terms of like set making, but also travel for people. Um, all that kind of stuff. And then policy, do you as a theatre company have an environmental policy in place? If not, ask an organisation if you can see their environmental policy because they probably should give it to you anyway and they're more than likely to want to help you. Um, sorry, that got a bit luxury, um, but this is the kind of stuff that you can learn about in much more detail and generally not blather, blithering on about it like I am um, in carbon literacy training the main thing would be ask people and ask big old theatres and stuff as well. Um, yes, thank like
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> great. And I think a sort of um, something that I always think of is much wishy-washier than, than yours, Robin, but is the sort of, you know, yeah, sit down and almost come up with like, a you know, whatever you want to call it with your colleagues or your co-founders or a you know um a, a manifesto or a, a list of pledges or something and it can be even yeah really little things like do you say you're always going to write a clause into a contract with venues that say that both of you will try and aim to be sustainable and it, or even something as small and silly as like in your meeting, you're always going to have something, you know, like a pot plant there, like something to connect you to the outside world. Um, it could, you know, whatever you can think of big or small. Um, I think it's quite nice to think of a sort of personal thing that really works for your, your work and your company. Um, we've got a little bit of time left, so I think uh, we could do one more question and then hear a bit more about what you guys have got coming up. Um, and, uh, Something, a question from Louise, which is uh, maybe a quick one actually, a a tips one is, do you guys know of any particular existing organizations where um, people can share or borrow things, perhaps bits of set or ideas and those kind of things? That sounds really fantastic.
3: (laughs) I hear it does. (laughs) (laughs) Like Megan and I said, we're so new to this because we've only just graduated. We graduated last summer. So I'm still learning as well, and that sounds great. So Robin, if you knew anything, that would help me too. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, I think it's so impressive how much you guys know, given you only graduated like less than a year ago. I didn't know that much when I got into it for a year. Um, There, I don't know specifically. There is always people talking about this within within the sort of community, and I have a feeling that there is something, somewhere, sort of. Um, I would recommend putting your questions about this to staging, contact staging change. They're probably going to know more than I am. The thing with that is it's such a good idea, but you need like a whole system of transport and logging and storing. And I think this is where there's such a big, there's such a big problem, like you guys were saying, of waste within the industry because so much set and props gets chucked and it's because theatres don't have the storage space for it. Um, and also, a lot of the time, theatres have a different designer for every show. And that is something that I, I know certain people that are thinking about you know, whether that could be changed because whilst that's great because that means there's lots of jobs available for lots of people, if you had a designer in for a season or for a year whom they were resident, then they could design a stage. And this requires a crazy amount of planning in terms of programming as well, but they could design a set that can work for every show in that season. And then you might get to a point where actually you can have the same set for every show for ages. it's very it is it is very difficult when it gets down to the nuts and bolts of it, but I think that's where we kind of need a systemic shift as opposed to a kind of putting a, a plaster on it. I I think, um, but yes, as Tom says, theatres do often auction sets and props off. And whilst I've I've done a lot of crewing for theatres, which is doing the get ins and get out, so I've I, I like it almost makes me want to not work in crewing when I do those shifts, because the waste is crazy. And I get told off by my partner for bringing home countless screws and stuff, for example, because they're just gonna end up in the bin, but I can't let them go in the bin. So you also got to look after your own mental health and sanity within it. But they do also try and shift, they do try and shift stuff. And if there's a particular set piece that is very cool, then they'll probably keep that because it's more likely to be used and other pieces. God, that was a long, long answer without actually answering your question. So I apologise for that.
1: Yeah, the, the only one I know is, is called Set Exchange, which is sort of, it does, uh, it sort of acts like a sort of gum tree for um, sets, but it's sort of fairly limited use still, not that many people use it. And like you say, Robin, I know there are various people who are like trying to make a better version. Um, but I think for now, unfortunately, it's still sort of Gumtree and eBay and, um, uh, and, and, again, I would recommend looking on EcoStage because they do have resources of, like, uh, you know, um, how you can have paints that don't have top, you know, a, a more, you know, environmentally friendly and not full of horrible things. Um, those sorts of really little practical advice uh, things. There are some around. I know there's one for costume, which I cannot remember the name of, but there's a group who do it for costume as well. Um, just so we don't run out of time, um, it would be great to hear a bit about what your work coming up is um, at the moment, and what sort of messages or things you're trying to portray? Obviously, we've heard a bit about uh, your your um, uh, your B show, but Josie and Megan, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Where where's it going to be on?
3: Well, um, we've applied for Fuse International Festival, <laughs> which is part. It's run by Creative Youth in Kingston upon Thames, and that's where Megan and I studied our our BAs in Kingston School of Art. So. Yeah, we're really excited by the chance of maybe showing our performance there. Um, So a bit about it, Megan and I started working on this performance, researching for it, putting it together in summer 2021, just straight after we graduated. We were like, we need a creative project to work on. So we started putting our our heads down on that and it's called Be at One. It's for children aged six to eight. And like I said earlier, it kind of addresses the the need for why we need houses, but not really at the expense of urban bee populations and questions how can we build a sustainable urban landscape. It's going to be a participatory performance so the children can get involved, can actually aid the, the narrative of the plot. Um, and they're going to be able to get sort of, I don't want to say on the stage because there isn't really going to be a stage so to speak, but the children will sit around the actors and be able to get up and, and interact with them and interact with the puppet and interact with the set. So it's going to be entirely immersive and sensory and hopefully it's going to be one that they won't forget.
4: Yeah, definitely. And what we want to do is we want to really stimulate action in our audience. We only, really, as Josie said, want our audience to get involved and we want to do that through getting them up, doing things, but also for our product. And ultimately we want to educate young people about the scientific importance of bees for our ecosystem in a fun and fresh and engaging way. And we want them to leave armed with the knowledge of how they can help bees thrive, but also with our product so they can actively do that.
2: So I was just smiling away (laughs) for getting. That sounds so exciting. I really want to come and see it. I assume adults can come too, and it is. Of course. Of course. Um, um, we are so we debuted our show in November in Manchester. We're going to be looking to, well, no, we are going to be touring it um, in autumn, hopefully in time for COP27 in Egypt. Although, obviously, we're not going to do it in Egypt, we'll be doing it in the UK. Um, so, we'll be touring the north um, with that in next autumn. So, keep your eyes peeled for the wicked problem. Um, but we're currently we have another show in development which is a one man one person i should say spoken word show about marine biodiversity which is called the mariner and that's a futuristic sort of adaptation but mainly inspired by the poem the rhyme of the ancient mariner um but in kind of like spoken word and beat as opposed to like ye olde mega poem um and we're also running some workshops for contact uh, for some young people, uh, sixteen to eighteen, um, as, alongside NERC, which is the National Environmental Research Council, yes, um, which we that we'll have an audio track that's made of the young people, which is all about them getting their voice heard, because sixteen to eighteen being being the age that very much are engaged with the climate crisis, going to be impacted, but don't have the vote, so can't kind of have influence in that way so we'll be trying to help platform those people's voices um during March
1: fantastic that all that all sounds uh brilliant yeah stuff to look out for and especially your tour Robin when you've got it uh all all booked in. Um, As a final bonus question, this is gonna be a slightly quick-fire answer, but we have one more question, um, which I think is a really good one, so I think it's worth asking, which is um, what can a festival like Fuse International do to improve sustainability? So obviously that nitty-gritty issue of if you're trying to make work accessible and involve people from across both the UK and the world, how can you make that um, more sustainable? Mm, Hmm. Again, I feel like festivals are
3: really like notoriously unsustainable, especially with things like um, flyers and like loads of print offs and things like that. So really obvious one is to keep your marketing online as much as possible and really obviously just hire artists or um, performers or just creative people who actually want to work sustainably, because if it's in their heart and they want to do it, then it's just going to shine through in the work that they make.
4: Yeah, couldn't agree with you more, JC. It's all about, I guess, the people that you have and their motivations and their aims. And yeah, it's like little things like keeping your marketing online. But I also know a big part of Fuse is that they help creative people kind of achieve what they want to. So they offer assistance with like lighting and technical stuff. So maybe even looking into like oh how can we teach people to maybe use energy a bit more sustainably or help them with transport because there's a lot of people coming together to one place so maybe we can work out things logistically i guess it's all kind of little things like
3: that
2: uh uh yes i kind of agree with what you guys said uh, so i don't know if it's a quick fire question laura
1: <laughs> yeah no I mean, yeah, oh, it's funny yeah it's like things quite, quite <laughs> Oh,
2: treat is quick fire. Um, track Track your carbon footprint as much as you can, because even if you're not sustainable or the festival isn't sustainable in ways, if you track it and you afterwards kind of evaluate it, kind of report on it yourself, work out where the learning is, I think that's probably better to be unsustainable, but know why and learn why and then afterwards really heavily evaluate it and I mean like as detailed as you can to get learning um than I think to just kind of just go gun ho at the beginning and maybe not really understand what's going on because even things that I know we talked a lot about like um remote viewing the stuff like and stuff like that online But there's also a whole, you know, there are advantages to that. But as soon as you research into it, actually digital itself has got quite a big carbon footprint, depending on what you're doing in terms of like the devices you're using, whether they're new, all of the generators that are used to store all of the data that you're using by using the internet and all of that, like, I think question everything, track everything, learn from everything, but also remember you have got to live your life as well and you can only do what's within your means and sometimes i know i think i've already said it, it's the last thing i would say sometimes you've got to consider carbon equity like some people do kind of might actually deserve to have a bigger carbon footprint than other people so and that should also be a part of the conversation so don't don't be afraid to have to not be carbon neutral because there might be a reason for that and actually might be really valid so, yes.
1: Great, well, thank you very much, everyone. Um, it's been really interesting to hear your thoughts and definitely interesting to hear about what you've got coming up. And um, for anyone who's been missing it in the chat, uh, Natalie's been posting lots of links um, about what we've been talking about. And the last few are about um, the Knot and Ergon Theatre themselves and where you can keep, uh, keep up to date with what's going on with them. Um, so thank you, everyone, and back to you, Tom.
0: Thank you. So, yeah, uh, Josie and Megan, if you get into fused, don't be flying by a private jet each, please. That'd be lovely. Um, but no, us as a festival, you know, we're, we're really looking at our carbon footprint this year. Um, one, because it's, you know, it's a massive thing in the arts at the moment Two, we should just be doing it anyway. Um, and you know, you, you know, as a festival in general, um, you know, you see that you see the state of places like Glastonbury and Reading and Leeds and all that sort of stuff, and all the tents and stuff left behind. Luckily, we're not nothing like that really. Um, so, but there's always more to be done, and that's something that will, uh, you know, always be done with with advice and. Robin, I think you could be our new environmental expert, mate. So I'm sure we'll be asking you lots of questions. So, yeah. I'm not sure anyone's ever called me an expert before. <laughs> well, you're more of an expert than us. So that's good.
2: Can um I very quickly just say, sorry, just because in the we can t- offset. I'm sorry. Can you call me the expert? So I wanted to say, um, just to quickly say on offsetting is a brilliant thing. Do consider it, but try and consider it as a backup as opposed to the first thing. Um, because because it's it kind of if you're if you're plant if you're investing in planting trees for example but those trees aren't going to grow for 25 years we need to hit like net zero by 2050 well it kind of like it doesn't you having more emissions now to have less emissions in the future doesn't always balance out so it's just worth consider doing your research on offsetting if you're going to offset and actually are there ways of meaningfully offsetting locally So like where you know, for example, I live in Manchester next to um, Highfield Park. I know that there's loads of brilliant like beekeeping initiatives in there as well as like rewilding initiatives. I could put my money or my time into investing in that as opposed to paying to plant some trees somewhere because I know that I'm offsetting. Sorry, I just wanted to say quickly. Oh, that's
0: good, mate. That's good. That's Louise, our CEO. So that's her told. Um. (laughs) 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 <laughs> uh, but no, it's, it's really good to know. It's, it's good to know. Because
1: Julie Fisk will have a really good webinar on their website about offsetting in the arts. So exactly what Robin said, but in more detail. You do want to watch it.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, we're going to do more uh, these in the future. Um, we're good. These are bi-monthly events, so please have a look uh, in March what our next one will be. Um, and yeah, we've got um, Natalie's probably going to post a little. Uh, there we go, right on time, a feedback form there. And uh, if people can fill it out for us, it's great for us uh, in the future just to develop these as, as projects. Because if we don't get feedback, we don't know what's going wrong, what's going right. So please just let us know uh, and we can do more things like this as well. Uh, as I say about all these webinars we definitely need a part two now um so I'm sure we'll do that at some point as well maybe after the festival to see maybe track our own sustainability that'd be quite cool um so yeah but yeah thank you um Josie thank you Megan thank you Robin thank you Laura uh for giving us your time and your expertise tonight um and I hope everyone sort of learned learned something new which is amazing so yeah thank you so much um uh, I hope everyone has a lovely evening um and yeah thank you so much uh you can follow us on all our socials anything you you like follow us on our socials and stuff like that um and obviously yeah thank you so much take care everyone